Welcome back for season three of the Experience Matters podcast powered by Arise Virtual Solutions. This show is custom made for those who care deeply about customers. Each episode will awaken your curiosity through fresh perspectives, inspire you through many of the world's most talented experienced designers, and challenge you with new ideas proven to activate loyalty. We have just what you need to be there. Be aware and be essential for your customers. And now for your host, Nate Brown. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Experience Matters podcast. Do I have a treat for you today? We have the Rick Delisi in the house with us. Hello, Rick. Hi, Nate. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. So this, this is something I've been waiting for for a long time. Uh, the very first customer service video that I ever did in 2013 was with the Effortless Experience, which you co-authored. And, and Rick, you actually jumped on that video, which if I go back and look at it, it's one of the most embarrassing things at this point. It was so rough. It was so weird. And you engaged with that post and were so kind to me. Thank you. <laughs> did I still have hair in those days? <laughs> I think you did. So did I. <laughs> That's what this work does to us. But that, that was so encouraging to me. And you've been just an amazing mentor ever since. And, and more recently has authored this little thing right here, the digital customer service. Would you tell us a little bit about that, Rick? Sure. So digital customer service is really very specifically about the changes in psychology and customer expectations that we've all been experiencing. Wow. Virtually all of us have become digital first humans. And, And the simplest litmus test for that is when you need something, when you want something, when you want to find out information, when you want to reach out to people, when you're just bored, where do you go? We we oh. generally all go right here. You know, if I asked you, where do you live? You might describe a city or a geographic location. But in reality, we, we generally all live on this thing. Wow. And that has been a subtle but dramatic impact on our psychology and our lifestyle, the sociology of how we interact with each other, and most importantly, how we interact with the companies we do business with. You know, when you think about the fact that this thing, the smartphone, is only now just 15 years old, Mm. the amount of psychological and sociological change that has occurred as a result of our dependence on this thing is more profound than in any other 15-year period in human history. Now, because we've all gone through it simultaneously, it's easy to overlook. But when you think about how different our lives are and how different our expectations are, it becomes increasingly obvious that the vast majority of companies have not evolved as quickly as their customers have. And that is not a good position to be in. Yeah, some some significant truth. So just a little taste of, of the dialogue to come here. Let, let's get to know Rick a little bit. So Rick, tell us tell us just a little bit about yourself. Who are you working for? What you doing these days? Yeah, so I'm working for a company called Glia, which is the leader in creating digital customer service solutions specifically for financial institutions, banks, credit unions, and insurance companies. But over the last 20 years, I've occupied a narrow but really intriguing niche, which is studying the psychology of customer loyalty. So specifically, what happens within the realm of an interaction that a person is having with a company that will determine their future loyalty arc? What can happen on a positive or negative side that would make a person more or less loyal? Wow. And the book that I was part of before Digital Customer Service called The Effortless Experience is all specifically about 
winning the new battleground for customer loyalty. So understanding the ramifications of the most important interactions or experiences a person will ever have with a company they do business with, specifically service interactions, those moments where I need something and have to reach out to the company, certainly have a profound impact on that person's future loyalty. Well, I mean, the, there's so much psychology in this work. I mean, if we look at what CX is, the thoughts and perceptions that people have towards a brand, well, where do these perceptions come from? Where, where a psychology is the study of the mind and the behaviors that flow forth. <laughs> it's where these perceptions are born. So if, if we're going to truly understand the customer's perceptions and what would drive them towards the outcome of loyalty, this is a psychological pursuit. You know, when you think about customer experience as a pie chart, there's so many components that go into that pie. So how that product works, the product's reputation, the brand reputation, how I feel about myself when I use the product. All those things are important, but the most profound experiences people will ever have are those direct contacts they have with the company. Those are the most memorable. Those carve the deepest impression in the psyche. Those will ultimately determine whether or not a person wants to remain loyal. Here's a good question for you, for any company. What percentage of your customers are loyal right now? Any thoughts about that? There is a precise mathematical answer to this. What percentage of your customers are loyal right now? And the answer is, the answer is, it's 100% because they're your customers right now. You know, loyalty isn't a present state consideration. Loyalty is ultimately a prediction of what you're going to do going forward. So if you are a customer, unless you're contacting the company to say, I don't ever want to do business with you guys again and erase my name from your database, unless you're doing that, you're loyal right now. But the question is, will you still be loyal tomorrow? CX riddles with Rick here on this Good Matters episode. <laughs> and you stumped me already, which isn't too hard to do, but I, I love that. There's so much there. Yeah, I, I recently heard a statistic, and this won't surprise you in the least, that 80% of our interactions with a brand are happening right here on the mobile device and over digital channels. It, it seems to be increasing every day. Let me put a small asterisk on that. That's where they start. <laughs> the worst experiences are the ones that start online, but end up with an awkward, seamful transition to calling on the phone. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, I had... So I recently, Rick, had a great experience with Ring.com where I, I received my devices and, and they walked me through this amazing digital experience of me implementing my own home security system, which used to be impossible for a wow. consumer to do on their own. So remarkable in and of itself from a CX perspective. Uh, but at some point in this journey, I did need to call in to the contact center, and it was a perfect extension of my yeah. digital experience. This person welcomed me on brand as a neighbor, understood what I was doing and where I had been, proactively helped me, next issue avoidance, right. on, on an issue I wasn't even calling about. It was such an, a fantastic, all-encompassing experience, using both the digital and the human elements of the brand, mind-blowing stuff. I think we'd have to characterize that as an effortless experience. We would. It truly was. And in and, 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 and an area that was so ripe for it. I mean, it's such a high effort thing. I mean, we think about like the automotive space and what Carvana did to unpack that effort and, and to penetrate a busy marketplace through the reduction of effort. 
and in so many industries are still ripe for it. I know you wrote that book in 2011. Here we are about to enter 2023, but it's still so ripe for opportunities here. Yeah, I think when we wrote the book, we had no expectation that it would still be not only valid, but continuing to find new readers years later. But that has been the case, and it's very humbling to think that there's people who are picking up the book right now in 2022 and seeing it as being a brand new idea to them. Amazing. I was at ICMI last week in Florida and your name came up and the effortless experience came up. Uh, it's it's very, very cool. But I do want to definitely uh, morph ahead here and then think about this digital channel specifically and, and thinking about that ring.com example, Rick, and, and how we can guide customers to the best resolution path and, and what that looks like when we start in this digital first world how do how do companies think and equip themselves for success over digital channels in a way that's going to lead to the type of outcome of loyalty that we're looking for? What, what do you suggest to them? So the reality is companies have to start thinking about the most common issue types that customers are contacting them about and start to think, what is the exact right experience for a person who's having this issue right now? Hmm. Particularly a person who's having this issue right now and starts their journey online, whether it's on your website or an app or a portal. And the reality is the exact right experience is based much less on who the customer is and much more on what their issue is. Mm. Certain kinds of issues can be resolved so easily in self-service. Wow. And the customer can either navigate to self-service themselves or could potentially be automatically guided to the self-service portal where they can resolve their issue. That's mm -hmm. for some kinds of issues. Other kinds of issues are very easily resolved in a chat session. Yeah. Some of them chat with a bot, so simple answers to simple, obvious questions can almost always be resolved to full satisfaction through a bot. Other kinds of issues are resolved very well through live chat. A couple of quick questions back and forth, and we can fully resolve your issue. But the reality is, the most important issues that customers will ever have, the ones that we call moments of truth, almost always either require or are much better satisfied through live human contact. Wow. And therein lies the rub. The most important issues that customers will ever have require live contact, but for most companies, the only way for a digital customer to achieve that live human contact is through abandoning the entire digital journey that they were already on and wow. starting all over again by <laughs> dialing 10 digits, going through an IVR system, and then having to re-authenticate themselves, re-explain their issue, and they're already in a high effort experience before the customer service rep even begins the diagnosis. Oh. Here, here's one for you. How could this possibly be a bad thing for any, any company to say? Hi, I'm Rick. How may I help you? How could you that know the answer to that question? <laughs> if my phone call was the first point of contact in my journey, well, then it's a fair it's question. Okay. But for the vast majority of customers, we're now quoting 84% of people starting a journey online. Wow. If I've already spent five or 10 minutes on your website, if I've already logged into your system, if I've already begun to navigate and explain to the website or app what my issue is. You asking me, how may I help you? You know, a seemingly innocuous question, which has started virtually every interaction for the last 
40 years uh, is in fact a disrespectful question. Yeah. How can you help me? You should already know how to help me. First of all, you should know who I am. I've already been in your system. And secondly, you should have some idea of what my issue is based on where I've been navigating on your site. If I may, that's why your ring experience was so great. Yeah. Because whoever you talked to already knew who you were and already knew what your issue was. Yep. Absolutely. It's remarkable. I feel like there's something we need to unpack here in, in terms of a, a legacy thing that, that many of us have, have held on to as a customer service leader. I certainly did. And, and this was this idea of we really need to work hard to establish channel preferences by like persona and by a certain customer account. When in fact, what you're saying, Rick, is no, no, no. Let's focus more on the issue type and not on the person because the issue type is going to be the predictor of where the best resolution path is going to be. One of the things that I learned in the research that I did with uh, CEB, the company that was responsible for the effortless experience, was to come to understand that there's nothing that's more overrated than channel preferences. Wow. So an understanding of channel preferences typically comes from one of two sources, either surveying customers and asking what's your preferred channel, yeah. or simply seeing from all the channels that a customer had to choose from, which one did they choose, and then yeah. assuming that that's their preference. I remember talking to a specific guy in a focus group who said, I'm a big fan of chat. I love chat. It's my preferred method of communicating. I will always look to see if a company has chat and I will always choose chat when it's available. And then I said, well, what if chat isn't available? He was like, I don't really care about chat. I just want the fastest and easiest way to resolve my issue. Yeah, but just 30 oh. seconds ago, you were telling me how much you love chat. And what he said is, what I love is when the problem goes away. The result matters. Exactly. So channel preferences are often a mask yeah. for what really lies beneath the surface, which is I got a problem. I want this thing done with. I'm going to get back to the rest of my life. I don't care what I have to do. If you can tell me what is the fastest and easiest way to resolve this issue, I'll do whatever you say, even if I would have told you that I prefer something else. Wow. 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 Let, let me give you another experience, Rick. So this was a couple weeks ago went into a major national brand, a grocery, a grocery line, had a very, very bad experience at the deli at a store that we love and that we're very loyal to. I actually drive past another competitor to get to this one. And so I went on the website as one does, right? To, to express the feedback. You, you wouldn't believe it. This major national brand, the feedback form on the website was broken. To the point where it forced you to, to do a store locator yeah. thing. And then when you would select that, it would wipe out your form. Wow. So, so, but, but, so here's the, the moment. It's like, okay, of course I'm thinking about maybe that other store is looking a little better right now. But then what did I do? I call, I actually picked up the phone because there was a phone number right there. Good on them for having that right there. And I was able to actually speak to somebody almost right away. And, and that human to human interaction really changed the course of where I was going, which was a non-loyalty situation. No, you met with or you, you contacted a rep who was excellent and who was empathetic. Yeah. And was willing to do whatever it took to solve your problem. Yeah. In reality, you did have to start all over again. Yeah. They I had no idea who you were. They had no idea what your issue was. But for companies who have a robust website, they should know who you are and they should know what your issue is. 
And what we're describing in our book, Digital Customer Service, is the difference between, hi, I'm Rick, how may I help you? And, hey, Mr. Brown, great to talk to you. Looks like you try to apply for an auto loan. I can wow. probably help you with that. Mm. It's and then, and the then here's what's next. Right. <laughs> it's still the same two people, still resolving the same issue. Yeah. But it's a completely different experience. And of course, it is a customer's reaction to that experience that will determine their future loyalty. Yeah. I mean, I love I love where you're going with this reality. It, it is definitely happening where consumers enter into the digital realm first and they're they're looking at the knowledge base, they're looking at the website, they're navigating a chat, but there there are definitely moments of truth in there where sometimes you just need to talk to a person. Right. And that's a huge moment of truth where if we don't make that available, if we put up hurdles and hoops to that moment, it's going to send somebody into orbit. I had an experience recently with a major insurance company. I, I won't name them, but you know their name, you know their brand and even their logo. And I, I what I wanted to do was pay my full year's homeowner's insurance premium all at once. I'm not on a payment plan. Uh, the payment for my homeowners doesn't go through my mortgage company. I pay it directly. And I got a notice from them saying, we're just about to cancel your policy because your mortgage company hasn't paid your premium. Well, oh, no. my mortgage company hasn't paid the premium for five years. I always pay it myself. So first yeah. of all, they should have known that. But all I wanted to do was pay in full. So I went on their website and engaged in a chat session that lasted, I timed it, 16 minutes. 16 minutes of back and forth. And I think we've all had the kind of chat experience where you're waiting sometimes for several minutes for the next response from the agent. I find myself all too often keystroking in, hello, is anybody there? <laughs> and at the end of 16 minutes, this chat agent said, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry. We can't take payments over chat. Oh, no. 16 minutes. And then I had to call a phone number. And of oh course, gosh. I had to go through the whole IVR process. I had to select payments. I had to wait for a couple of minutes to talk to somebody who came on and said, hi, how may I help you? Can you imagine how that felt? And again, I'm not complaining here. I'm trying to pay my premium in full. What could any company hope for more than a person who's willing to pay in full on the spot? And yet it was such a high effort experience. My initial thought was... Uh, I got to find somebody else to do business with. Yeah. However, since I had just gone through all the effort to make my annual premium payment, so true. I did think to myself, you know, it'd be a whole hassle to discontinue that and try to get a refund. But I tell you what, next year, when my premium comes due again, I'm almost certainly going to do business with somebody else. And yeah. this, in many ways, describes the worst kind of customer disloyalty. So, Overt, immediate customer disloyalty. Discontinue me, cancel my account. That's bad, but at least a company could potentially do something about that. My experience fell into a category that we're starting to call insidious disloyalty. Ooh, I like it. I am disloyal to this company. They don't know it. By the time I leave, they'll have no idea why. They won't be able to do anything about it. And as soon as somebody else makes me a better offer around the time of my next premium renewal, I will go with somebody else. And who knows how many more people you're going to drag down with you in the time frame. And so 
disloyal customers fall into a couple of different categories. But yeah. ones who are more overt about it at least give a company either a chance to try to recover that account and that customer, or at least a chance to try to learn something from that experience so they can prevent that same thing from happening to others. But in the case of insidious disloyalty, which occurs more frequently when a digital first customer has a bad chat or phone experience, yeah. is impossible to categorize and impossible to recover from. Unreal. There's so much here, Rick. I mean, I, I hope that folks are as, as jazzed about this as I am. There's some revolutionary things to unpack here. Another thing, Rick, that we've been talking about in the in these customer service conferences is the fact that by the time a live a live representative is getting a customer on the phone that they seem so frustrated and so impatient. Right. You just explained why. It's because they engaged through a digital channel and it failed them. <laughs> Think about what it's like to be a frontline agent. First of all, you're generally dealing with people who are in some sort of negative state of mind. The vast majority of customer service contacts are based on some problem or issue that occurs. Sure. So, the company's already on their heels to some degree. Yeah. But when that same customer goes through 5, 10, 15 minutes of frustration, only to then have to abandon their digital journey and make a phone call, now they're already amped up and in a completely negative state of mind. Oof. So if you're the frontline agent who's dealing with customer after customer, who's coming to you with a black cloud of negativity around them, that makes an already tough job that much tougher. But in the book, we describe the platform and the strategy called digital customer service, not the generic form of just adding additional digital features and functions to a telephony platform. Yeah. But it is the system developed by Glia, the company that I work for, that enables a customer at any moment in a digital journey, if they want to speak to a live person, to simply press one button on their screen. Wow. And now they're speaking to a live agent who not only knows who that customer is because they've already been authenticated, you know. but has a real strong idea of what their issue is based on their digital body language, where they've been on the website wow. at the point that they press the button. So being able to recognize the customer by name, hey, Mr. Brown, and knowing something about their issue, looks like you're trying to apply for an auto loan. It changes the experience in a profound way. Gosh, That's so awesome, Rick. Well, I mean, this... This is the kind of stuff we need to be thinking about. I mean, so many customer care leaders right now are thinking about how to prevent burnout, to galvanize their team, to create more of that internal loyalty. A huge part of this is to improve that upstream digital experience so that when the customer gets to them, they are free to help. They've got the insight. They've got the information. The customer's in a better mentality. It's just going to be a better experience all around. So think about psychologically why so many people say I love chat and would choose chat given the option. It isn't always just because they don't want to talk to another human being. That's often the the excuse or the explanation offered. People like chat because they don't want to talk to another person. We don't talk that frequently with our friends and family. We're mostly texting back and forth. We're using our screens as a form of communication. But what we're learning is that in the vast majority of situations, people don't choose text because they don't want to talk to somebody. They use text because they don't want to have to go through the whole process of dialing 10 digits and going through a call center IVR to then wait around and talk to somebody. So it's less about the talking and it's more about the dialing. So don't confuse 
I don't want to call somebody with, I don't want to talk to somebody. Mm, that's so important. Well, Rick, I mean, you're just dropping rain of golden nuggets all, all around for, for folks listening to this. I, I would like to go ahead and, and move towards our closing of, of this segment here. What, leave us with one final parting thought in terms of a CX leader who is looking to equip themselves in a digital future. What, what would you recommend to them? Make a list of the top 10 issue types, the most frequent reasons why customers contact you, and ask yourself, for a person who starts an interaction to resolve this issue on a screen, what is the most expedient, the most effortless way to resolve this issue? Is it self-service? Is it chat with a bot? Is it chat with a human? Or is it a live human conversation? And again, for these moments of truth, these most important and impactful experiences that people will ever have, is there a way to create the opportunity for a live human conversation without making that customer start all over again mm. and dial 10 digits? Because of how galvanizing that is to the loyalty and how how people remember that, that human interaction. Well, Rick, this has just been awesome. Uh, so folks, um, digital customer service, awesome, awesome resource. Rick is an, an amazing resource. Thank you so much, Rick, for what you're doing to equip us, to teach us, and to create experiences that matter. We sure appreciate you. Thanks to you. Great to talk to you again. Hope we do it sometime in the future as well. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. Well, a huge thank you to Rick DeLisi for that awesome episode. How exciting. This is just so darn important as we think about overall CX, the digital experience is going to become more and more a part of that. This is an area that we just got to excel in. So thank you so much, Rick, for that equipping. Next up on the Experience Matters podcast, we have Jonathan Schroer, who is the CX Innovation Officer at Arise. If you haven't seen Jonathan before, he's got a unique and awesome perspective on just about everything CX, but he's especially gifted in the area of abundance mentality. And my goodness, how relevant that is. We just give and give and give, and this work has such a propensity for burnout. But when we can maintain that abundance mentality, it's going to fuel this work, make it better for us, make it better for the people that we're serving. So stay tuned, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody.